This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Five days, 40 hours a week. The conventional work schedule. Though I know for many of you, that's not the schedule you work at all. You might do 312s, you might do 60 hours over six days. You might not have the same schedule week to week because you're gig working. So yes, how we work is pretty varied. But let's accept that in many sectors, that five-day, 40-hour work week is still pretty standard. After all, it is the basis of how we define full-time employment. So, is it time to do away with it altogether? What would life be like if a normal work week were only four days long? I'm just so grateful that I've been able to have like this extra day to do what I want to do and what I need to do. That extra day during the week gives you a lot of time to do your errands, you know, doctor's appointments, which are almost impossible to get sometimes, paying bills and, and all that sort of thing. I'm spending more time with my wife because I've got that extra day off, which is, I mean, who could ask for more than that, really? Colleen Kelly works at Trio Media, a digital marketing agency in Leeds in the United Kingdom. Brad Pratt works at Pressure Drop Brewing, a brewery in London. And they're workers at two companies who recently participated in a six-month study about the feasibility of a 32-hour workweek. And they both say working less actually made them more productive. I think it's one of those things where if you get told you can do something in five days, you take five days to do it. And as soon as I was told I needed to do it all in four days, the same standard, I just became a whole bunch more productive. Eventually, you uh, just got used to getting the work done in the time you had. That Having that day off is just such an incentive. You kind of want to work a bit harder and just knowing that you're going to savor that Friday off. And Colleen says that being more productive meant having to increase organization and efficiency, which meant having to do things to reduce wasted time. The reduction of meetings, the having a meeting about a meeting, that's completely stopped. <laughs> we used to do that all the time. <clears throat> I'm going to gently slide that across the table to management in my world. Now, 61 companies in the UK participated in the study over a six-month period. And as you heard, employees loved it. A sizable percentage of them even said that no amount of money would ever get them to go back to a five-day work week. But what about their employers? We performed 47% better financially than the previous year compared in the same six months on the trial, and also 33% better to the six months prior to the six months on the trial. Well, that is Claire Daniels, the CEO of Trio Media, where employee Colleen Kelly works. Sam Smith is Brad Pratt's boss over at Pressure Drop Brewing. And Sam, too, said the curtailed work week was actually better for his business. You know, I've worked in office jobs where I felt like, you know what, you know, you know we could be working 60% of the time here if we just got on with it. And it's not quite as easy as that, as that in a production environment. But yeah, we felt like if we can prove it, that we can operate and, and stay afloat and everything, then we've contributed something to it. If you can improve people's lives without any cost to your business, why the hell would you not do that? And that, that's what we've done. Now, this pilot project ended in December, but both companies, Pressure Drop Brewery and Trio Media, say they are going to stick to the four-day work week. And even more interesting, more than 90% of the companies in the study overall are sticking to that four-day work week, too. So today we're going to ask, obviously there's differences between the UK and the US, but could 
a four-day or 32-hour work week work here as well. Well, Juliet Shore is one of the lead researchers in the study. It was conducted by a group called Four Day Week Global. She's also a professor and economist at uh, Boston College in the sociology department. So, Professor Shore, welcome to you. Thanks. Happy to be here. Okay, so first of all, how did you convince, um, what, 60 companies, 60 plus companies in the UK to even try this uh, pilot? There's actually a lot of interest from employers right now. Pandemic really turbocharged it because they're seeing burned out employees. They are seeing difficulty retaining employees, difficulty attracting employees, and the evidence base for the viability of the four-day week has really grown enormously. So we held info sessions and lots of companies came and signed up. Okay. So it was a six-month period, as I said. Um, And what were sort of the parameters around how you defined or how the pilot study defined what a four-day work week was? So the parameters were pretty simple. They, companies were... uh, obligated to keep pay constant, so 100% of the pay, and they had to offer a what we quote-unquote meaningful reduction in work time. So a couple of them may have gone to like 35, 34. The vast majority went for the full day off, the 32-hour work week. Very important for listeners, this is not a compressed work week. It's not four tens, it's four eights. So 32 hours. That was pretty much it. Now, we also offered two months of onboarding help. So uh, workshops, webinars, coaching, peer support, mentoring, so the companies could figure out how to reorganize work so they could get as much done in four days as they did in five. It's not just, okay, suddenly people don't show up for a fifth day. It's really an organizational uh, reorg. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's uh, quite important to note because, I mean, you're talking about a major change in not just the actual amount of work done, but the culture around that work as well and the systems that go around, uh, go into organizing a workplace. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but I'm really curious to hear you describe what kinds of companies participated because, you know, my initial reaction in hearing a study like this is is that, oh, well, it probably, you know, it works for um, sort of uh, uh, corporations or the kinds of jobs where um, there isn't an expectation of a certain amount of things being produced every day. So, so what are the kinds of companies that uh, participated here? So one answer to that would be every kind. So we had fish and chip shop, uh, you know, a brewery. We had manufacturing and construction, but most of them are are in the white collar world. Mm -hmm. So they're professional services, nonprofits, banks, uh, marketing and design, and of course, quite a few IT. Um, So it's a big range, but it skews white collar. Mm, Okay. Construction. And that's interesting. And a chip shop as well. That's really interesting as well. So, okay, we'll come back to that. So give me your sort of top line takeaways. We heard from uh, employees that they loved it. To me, um, 
that's not terribly surprising. I want to know more about what the employers said because it was very eye-opening to see that 90% of the companies uh, at the end of the pilot program decided to stick with this new schedule. So, So what were employers saying? Yeah, there's actually just a couple that are going off it. But um, we asked them to rate the trial on a 0 to 10, and they rated it an 8.5. And then we asked them to rate on productivity and performance, and that was about a 7.5 on both. Um, and then we we have those metrics that the, uh, uh, the CEOs were talking about um, earlier. So we looked at revenue. We looked at absenteeism. We looked at... Um, uh, people leaving, attrition rates, and so forth. And those were all really positive, uh, not absolutely the same for every company, but overall extremely positive. So the a lot of the employers said their productivity went up, not just remained the same, um, which is interesting. It's because they, um, number one, they changed the way they work. They got rid of a lot of dysfunctional activity. And also just that process of sort of stepping back and saying, okay, let's just reevaluate what we're doing, figuring out, uh, you know, what what low priority things are taking a lot of time or what do we need to devote more time to? So all that's key. And then on the other side of the ledger, we have phenomenal results for employee well-being mm-hmm. uh, across, you know, we can get into this, but across many metrics, employees are so much happier. They value their jobs more. They're more engaged with them. They feel they are doing their their work performance is a lot better. So that also contributes to the bottom line. Interesting. So, um but again, the things that you highlighted earlier, revenue, in, I presume an increase in revenue is what yes. the company saw, reduction in absenteeism, reduction in resignation, things like that. Yes. Um, so the the reduction in absenteeism, resignation, or having to train new hires typically are – those are, bi- are big drags on – on businesses. They don't like all that turnover. And so this had a measurable effect in in reducing all of that? Yes. Um, So that affects the bottom line because losing employees is expensive and uh, training and attracting new employees is expensive, particularly in the current environment when a lot of companies are going with unfilled positions. So there are multiple ways in which a four-day week can actually affect the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So it, it can affect costs. Uh, it can affect productivity. Many people just think productivity. That's the only thing. But the costs are really key because there are uh, growing costs associated with resignation and inability to attract employees. So those two things, uh, we've been... We've been running trials for over a year now, and those two things, I think, are becoming more important uh, in, in sort of driving companies to this innovation. Okay, so we got, we've got 30 seconds before our first break here. Um, you made an important point that this is not the first time um, that you and this, this group, the four-day week global, have run these trials. But I understand this is the largest one to yes, date? this is the largest one to date. Okay, so did it show you anything that the previous trials did not reveal, or was it just on a larger scale? 
Pretty much on a larger scale. And the cool thing about it is the first trials were largely U.S. companies. Oh, interesting. Okay, so today we are talking about this latest study uh, by Juliet Shore and the group Four Day Week Global of about a six-month-long experiment amongst 60-plus companies in the U.K. about whether a four-day work week worked for them. And when we come back, we'll talk more about would it work here in the United States. So stand by. This is On Point. Support for the On Point podcast comes from Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com onpoint. That's Indeed.com onpoint. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future. Five consecutive episodes right here. So make sure you're following this podcast. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. And today we're talking about a recent study out of the United Kingdom where 60 companies, more than 60 companies, participated in a pilot study to see what it would be like if their employees had a four-day work week. And their findings were pretty interesting. Um, The data showed that 39% of employees were less stressed uh, with the four-day work week. More than 70% had reduced levels of burnout at the end of the trial. 54% said it was easier to balance work with household jobs. So, of course, we want to know. That's the United Kingdom. There's differences between the U.S. and the U.K., which we will dive into in a minute. But last week, we asked you On Point listeners what you think about the idea of a four-day work week, and you responded. I currently work four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm off on Thursday, and I'm back to work on Friday. I get to run errands, clean my house, walk my dogs, sometimes get an extra day in for a trip. The work-life balance that it's provided has been amazing. It's made the last few years not only tolerable, but actually enjoyable. So it's been really wonderful. I don't think I could ever go back to working five days a week. I recently looked at a job offer that was working five days a week, and that was actually the reason why I turned it down. It's like as soon as you get off on Friday, you lay your head down and it's back to work. Monday comes with the snap of a finger. At the end of the day, if you're refreshed and ready to go, you have a better production out of anybody. So you just heard On Point listeners Jason in Miami, Florida, Maya Goodall in Boston, Massachusetts, Lara Duran in Greeley, Colorado, and Rachel Berger in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm joined today by Juliet Shore. She's a professor in sociology at Boston College and uh, was one of the lead researchers on this four-day week work study in the UK. And so, uh, Professor Shore, 
give me your, you said that you've done studies, similar studies here in the United States. Give me your honest assessment. This is verging into like too good to be true territory (laughs) in terms of all the positive outcomes. Um, Do you think that a four day work week is feasible here in the United States or are there structural and even cultural differences that would make it more challenging here? I do think a four-day week is feasible here. Um, There are things that uh, would have to be put in place for some companies and some kinds of industries. At the moment, you know, there's a wide range of industries, primarily in white collar, who can do it fairly easily, I think. Uh, Not necessarily every company within those industries, um, but... uh, it is it is viable, and we can talk about the the more complicated industries, uh, healthcare being the one that you poster child for for what would be difficult. Culturally, I think that people overstate this idea that the U.S. is a workaholic nation. We have to remember that we led the world in work time from the last quarter of the nineteenth century uh, until. Uh, work time reduction, excuse me. We led the world in work time reduction, the first to get a 40-hour week, the first for a two-day weekend. So it's not as if it's something deep in our DNA. Um, The one thing I would say also, and it's part of why the UK trial has been so, was so large, is that the Labour government had come out uh, in the shadow cabinet, uh, had come out in favor of four-day week. There'd been a lot of a lot of campaigning and a lot of individual companies who'd done four-day weeks in the UK before this trial. Okay. So there was sort of already a foundation of, of interest in in the idea. Okay. Yeah. So, Professor Shore, stand by for just a moment because I want to introduce another voice into this conversation. Matthew Bidwell joins us. He's a professor of management at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, and he's with us from Philadelphia. Professor Bidwell, welcome to you. Hello. Okay, are you here to rain on our parade, <laughs> Professor Bidwell? Um, only a little. I mean, I th- it's definitely a fascinating study that's been done. I think you, you've pointed out a lot of really kind of really positive implications of the four-day week. There are some things I'm a little bit skeptical about. Um, I mean, I think my biggest concern is whether or not there's a long-run trade-off between pay and hours worked. Um, and so I think the, I mean, the, the study results are really interesting that these companies managed to kind of maintain their revenues while cutting back on hours worked. As Professor Shaw said, you know, a lot of that seems to come from this idea that we can reevaluate work. You know, in all of our organizations, lots of inefficiencies creep in. You know, we talk about meetings and all of these other things. And when you step back and say, okay, which of these things are wasting our time? Which of these things do we really need to be doing? you can drive out a lot of these inefficiencies. And it it seems clear that this kind of move to a four-day week was really instrumental in in enabling a lot of organizations to increase their productivity in that way. My concern is, so so partly, I think, a lot of time inefficiencies then start to creep back in. But more broadly, there's a question of, well, couldn't organizations do that anyway Mm. Um, and continue working five days and just be more productive and get more done. Um, I do think, I mean, and I also, I buy these arguments about burnout, but I think that at the end of the day, we do get more done in a five-day week, maybe not the full 25% done, 
maybe not the full 25% more, but a certain amount more mm. in that five-day week. And employers are generally willing to pay more for it. And so I think, whereas in this um, in this pilot, there's this kind of commitment, we're going to continue to pay 100%. I'm not convinced that if we moved to um, kind of doing this across large numbers of organizations, that, that commitment they would, would continue remain. to do that. Yeah. Okay. So, or so they wouldn't. Yeah, Professor Bidwell, forgive me for interrupting there, but you've said two things that I uh, that I want to just clarify and and explore yep. further, and also get Professor Shore's response on on this. Uh, first of all, you, you said I heard you say pretty clearly that it was good that inefficiencies were driven out of of work in this pilot study, like the the getting rid of meetings about meetings, for example. Yeah. But why not do that anyway uh, and make a five day work week? just that much more productive. But then aren't yes. we measuring aren't we measuring the uh, outcome of work by the time spent at work versus the product or the service that those workers are supposed to be creating? I mean it's almost it's a different way of looking at what being at work means. I'm not sure that's true. I mean I think if we do that um so basically, if we drive out inefficiencies, we can get more done. So we can create more services, we can create more products in five days than we did before. Um, and yeah, as okay. the amount of time that work goes up, okay. more gets done. So, so basically, you're saying that it just work work more work more efficiently across five days. So get more done. Yes. Okay. I but I I wonder. Uh, well, I'll let I'll let Professor Shore jump in on that because it does seem I can understand the the um, the calculus of what Professor Bidwell is saying, but it also is a point of view that could potentially look at workers like an inexhaustible <laughs> resource almost. Professor Shore, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So this is a this is a common question from people either. Uh, trained in economics, as I myself am, or uh, you know, sort of thinking of it from the employer side and the, uh, the you know the economist's idea is that competition will will force companies to get to that maximal efficiency and professor bidwell very rightly notes that there are lots of inefficiencies so then we ask why and and i think what we have to understand here is that in part, employers don't do this because those inefficiencies have a value to workers. By not being forced to work at maximal speed and maximal efficiency, 40 hours a week, you know, the economics term for it would be on-the-job leisure. So the simple, uh, I think, response there is probably because they can't. Yeah, because they'll get pushback, but by giving employees something very valuable, they are willing to work in that new way, and that very valuable is the gift of that fifth day. Yeah, Professor Bidwell, I actually do wonder what you think about this because, again, I can see how the the calculus of driving out inefficiencies. The natural question is, well, why not do that across every available moment of a five day work week? Um, but I th think what Professor Shore is saying, we're also dealing with human beings who can't actually maintain that peak efficiency. It's hard to do it across five full days. And the motivation is there because they know that they're going to get that fifth day off, Professor Bidwell. It is hard to do it. I mean, I, I don't think it's just that the people want that on the job leisure. I mean, I think there's also we've seen there have been lots of other um, attempts to do this, not around five day work, not around the four day work week 
But instead, organizations just at various points realizing they need to get more efficient. Uh, we've seen it um, kind of sometimes it's Toyota production system has been one example of this um, GE's workout system. Even without this kind of big speed up, often inefficiencies creep in. It's kind of a matter often just of management focus that that actually taking the time, as Professor Shaw, Professor Shaw rightly said, taking that time to step back and kind of think, what are we doing that mm. doesn't make sense? Most of us just never get around to it. And so I think you can see organizations do this even without that kind of added carrot. Okay. I think the question of kind of what the carrot is, it's not just that this is from the employee standpoint. There's also this ultimate question of, you know, when employees get more done, they usually get paid more as well. And so mm. is there going to be a trade-off between working shorter hours and ultimately getting paid less? Professor Shore, go ahead. So there may be in the long run, but notice also, um, I don't know if you've, I, I guess you've seen our study, but we, we asked a, what we call a willingness to pay question. So how much is this worth it to employees? And the answer is quite a lot. So if people would prefer to trade some income for time to get that four-day week schedule, uh, even if there is slower wage growth going forward, because remember, there's going to be productivity increase, there is going to be a wage, an upward wage profile for most of these workers, uh, isn't that something we should welcome? Yeah. Well, so one more question for you, Professor Bidwell, and then um, I actually want to bring in someone who's uh, dealing with this question of the four-day work week in their own business right now. But it suddenly occurs to me, we are naturally gravitating towards this question of productivity. Like if I'm looking at a ledger, a ledger, excuse me, a ledger of, you know, cost and benefits of, of a four-day work week, of course, we're going to focus on why not make people more productive over five days. But some Something that Professor Shore had said earlier was basically they also found in their pilot study a reduction of certain costs that are a drag <laughs> on businesses, you know, reduction in turnover, reduction in, you know, burnout, reduction in having to um, train new new workers, um, maybe even I, I don't know if the study was long enough, but potentially a reduction in the amount of sick days that workers take, things like that. Um Shouldn't we be taking those factors into account when we look at the overall question of a business's um, uh, advantages when it comes to four versus five-day work weeks? Definitely, definitely. And I think those issues about absenteeism and retention um, involve serious costs. Um, I think the big question, and you know, I, I agree with Professor Shaw. There's this kind of potentially, in the long run, some sort of trade-off between wages and um, and hours. Um, and I think the risk is to the extent to which your wages do start to lag because you're you're working shorter hours. That also potentially leads to attrition. Um, and so I think this question of kind of are your employees actually going to want to work fewer hours and accept that in the long run there probably is some trade-off with wages. Um, you know, the data on that, I think, it is less compelling that a lot of people actually would, I think, prefer to work more hours and get paid more. Mm. Uh, Professor Shaw, you wanted to mention something. Quick point. I lived in the Netherlands in the 90s, and they went 15 years with pretty much stable wage 
stable real wages and declining work hours. They had the highest productivity in Europe, and uh, they also eventually got to about the lowest number of hours. It worked very, very well. But after about 15 years, there started to be some pressure because the wage gap between them and the Germans and the French started to grow. So, yes, in the long run, you know, maybe you can go too too much in the direction of trading income for time. But, you know, you can always correct after a decade or so. I think we're way too far in the other direction. Okay. So, uh, Professor Shore and Professor Bidwell, hang on here for just a second because— um, you know, we can talk about a four-day work week, but I do want to get a sense on how it's actually has worked or hasn't worked on the ground. So Sean Noritel joins us from Annapolis, Maryland. Sean is the CEO of an advertising agency called Liquefied Creative, and his company tried a four-day work week for three summers uh, beginning in 2020. Sean, welcome to On Point. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay, so a four-day work week for three summers for a couple of, for three years. Did it work? Did you see the same kind of benefits that uh, Juliet Shore found from her UK study? I know we had initially hoped it would work. Um, like I said, we had done it for three years. We also took a lot of feedback uh, from our employees with with that whole entire process. But we we did discover that um, you know, there was increased burnout. Uh, productivity actually went down uh, based off of going through this this procedure, this 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 model um, for that three year period. And we also got, like I said, a lot of feedback from our employees uh, who did complain and, and said that they had difficulty in, in in making this work for them specifically. Okay, so what what did they say led to the increased burnout? It was the um, the understanding of trying to be able to uh, produce or, or or do forty hours within thirty two hours, which you know is is very difficult. Um, and and, it, and also we were working in a very collaborative environment, so you also have to have you know take those things in consideration. Um, it may work for certain types of businesses, but specifically for small to mid sized businesses, it's very difficult to make this this type of model work. Oh, I see. Okay, because maybe there, there's just already not as much or any slack in a in a small business for amongst in terms of what employees are doing. Right, and we we found other alternatives that we we presented and we still have. Uh, for example, we have you know two work from home days still in place uh, within the business. We. We, we also saw that there was impact with being able to do professional development, which we offer all of our employees uh, for additional, you know, growth and in their, per, in their professional, you know, the professional aspect of what they do. Did it hit? Oh, actually, you know what? I'm just looking at my clock. I have to take a quick break here, Sean. Hang on for a second because I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, and obviously, Professor Matthew Bidwell and Professor Juliet Shore stick with me as well. We are talking uh, about one of the largest studies completed yet, perhaps the largest study, on the feasibility of a four-day work week. And we'll discuss more when we come back. This is On Point. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. 
As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, and today we're talking about the feasibility of a four-day work week. I'm joined by Juliet Shore. She's a professor and economist at the Boston College, uh, at Boston College, excuse me, and also a lead researcher in this large study that's come out of the UK about a four-day work week. Matthew Bidwell joins us. He's a professor at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, and Sean Noratel joins us as well. He's CEO of the advertising agency Liquefied Creative in Annapolis, Maryland. And Sean, I'm wondering, you had said that you did this for three summers in a row. Is it possible that um, maybe it didn't work because the experiment wasn't allowed to go for long enough, that might take more than, I don't know, three months to really settle into the new rhythm and practices of a four-day work week? No, I think that the, the model that we did, the experiment that we did, uh, was actually very feasible. Like I said, you know, there was a lot of feedback from the from the individual employees, which was important. Um, and it, like I said, it impacted their professional development, but also you know their their productivity and also additional stress. And when we when we see that as an employer or CEO, it's important to really take that feedback from employees, mm-hmm. and you know address that immediately and find other alternatives. Um, you know, just like I think Professor Bidwell was saying, is like, um, you know, employers are more willing to pay more. And also the retention employees is really based off of not just the services and benefits that you're able to offer an employee, but also that competitive pay. And being a, you know, being a business that really bills based off of hours, the less hours you have to work with, the less money you can bill out. And I would honestly rather, you know, give those the money to the employees as opposed to, you know, lacking anywhere. Yeah. So that's an important point that you just made, Sean, that like your your business is run via billable hours. So just the structure of how you make your revenue is, is quite different. Um, but nevertheless, are you glad that you tried the experiment? I, I am because, you know, with, like any businesses, you have to take uh, some sort of risk and experiment to see what does work, what doesn't work, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the what's important to the employees and really looking at what is best for their health, but also their professional growth. Well, Sean Noratel, CEO of Liquefied Creative in Annapolis, Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you. Now, what's interesting about Maryland, um, the reason why we reached out to a business owner there is because Maryland is a state that's thinking about trying to get more companies to do a four-day work week. Uh, And so here is Maryland State Delegate Vaughn Stewart, who introduced a bill earlier this year to incentivize companies to try out the 32-hour work week. The idea is another pilot program where hours would be reduced for Maryland workers, but pay and benefits would remain the same. Uh, and they would pull it off because companies that opt into the study in Maryland would get a tax credit from the state. So here is Delegate Vaughn Stewart introducing the bill last month. 
people have said, well, why do we need a bill for this? Shouldn't companies already be doing this or shouldn't they? We let the market work. A lot of companies are on the fence about this. A lot of companies see what their peers are doing. They see what the studies suggest, but their inertia is a powerful force. They're not sure they can make it work. They have questions. This bill is meant to be a gentle nudge in the direction of doing this because we think that doing this, according to all the research we do have available, presents a possible win-win-win for the state of Maryland. It can benefit employees by giving them more time off. They can rest more. They can spend more time with their friends and family. It's also a potential win for the, for the employers in Maryland who can benefit from increased re recruitment, retention, and potentially productivity and profits. And finally, we think it's going to be a win for Maryland as a whole because workers that have shortened work weeks and have more time off are going to have more time to give back to their communities, get involved in their houses of worship, get involved with volunteerism, maybe even get politically involved as well. So that is Maryland State Delegate Vaughn Stewart introducing a bill uh, to try and get more companies to opt into a pilot study in Maryland about a 32-hour work week. Professor Shore, how much interest is there? Or let me let me just ask you this this in a different way. How much has interest grown uh, in the United States and where about trying out a 32-hour work week? Uh, there's been a tremendous increase uh, in interest. There's a bill that was just refiled in the U.S. Congress by Representative Mark Takano to lower the statutory work week to 32. There are efforts in uh, Massachusetts. There's been a placeholder bill filed, I understand. Uh, Maryland, New York, where we are, uh, we've got a couple of legislators. And one thing I also want to say is, uh, it's interesting, Sean's point, most of the uh, companies in our studies are small businesses. Actually, they are finding that this works. Oh, in the in your UK study and the US, and, all over. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Professor Bidwell, I also note um, that, um, as Professor Shore mentioned, Maryland a bill in Congress. California as well, I think, has also been trying to pass some legislation to encourage a 32-hour work week. But, you know, I'm reading um, some, uh, so, like, a white paper from the California Chamber of Commerce, and it's really sort of, the question is, how would the plans be enacted? Because the California Chamber is saying, well, this is not a good idea for California businesses, because the state, if it went through, would require replacement workers to cover the fifth day of work to maintain operations. I'm wondering what you think about that, Professor Bidwell. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why employers are not enthusiastic about it because it, I mean, it's effectively, a, in some senses, a 20% wage rise. You can certainly claw some of that back from efficiency improvements, but, um, but not a lot of it. I mean, this idea of pilots is a great idea. I'm all in favor of experimentation. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at what you've done in the UK and what's happened with pilots and so on, these are companies that are volunteering. These are companies that say, we think this might work for us. And I'm sure there's, there is no reason why a five-day work week is the magic number. And so it's entirely possible that there are a bunch of organizations that think, yeah, four might be better for us. But I think once you start to look at actually trying to impose that, on companies whom they don't think it's the right thing for them, I can understand why the employers would would see this as just a, a massive cost being imposed on them. Right. So it's again, I come back to the idea of how the uh, the concept of changing what what uh, a work week entails, um, how that's uh, enacted, is really really part of the question here. Now we heard from Sean Noritel earlier in Maryland who said the his company he he's his company tried it out didn't like it but let's look at another uh, US example we spoke with John Leland 
chief strategy officer at the crowdfunding platform Kickstarter. And last year, Kickstarter decided to pilot a four-day work week with their 100 employees, meaning everyone would work 32 hours and, yes, have the same pay and Fridays off. But they didn't just, you know, flip the switch to four days. They actually spent several months strategizing with every department at Kickstarter about how to implement a different work week. We worked with every team and we looked at meetings that we could cut down and how we could provide better focus and direction as leadership so that everyone was sort of aligned on, you know, if, we're, if this is going to work, we're going to need to maintain productivity. So you've you got to come correct on Monday. You've got to be really focused you got to be focused not just for yourself, but for everyone around you so that we can get the work done and we can all have Friday back. So Kickstarter launched its four-day work week in April, and they decided to measure success about uh, via whether they reached two goals. One, did employees actually get time back? And two, did they maintain productivity? In the end, we found that people were getting time back, certainly, and that we were actually better able to hit our goals as a company than we were previously. And then finally, we are retaining employees just so much better. We've barely lost any employees over the last year. And keeping good employees, keeping full teams together and intact has been really transformative for our productivity because when good people leave, it is really destructive for productivity. And John stresses that although the goal is four-day work weeks, the key to making it work is actually just being flexible. The four-day work week isn't a hard and fast rule. It is not something where, oh, we got to shut it down. Everyone has to stop working at 32 hours, four days. It is a norm that we will flex out of. Ultimately, we, we need to get the work done and we will get the work done. And sometimes that means working five days a week. Sometimes that means working six or seven days a week if there's a crisis. A four-day work week is our expectation that with good leadership, good process, and with the better balance and rest and focus that a four-day work week provides, that we can get that work done most of the time in four days and 32 hours, as long as we're all doing that together. And that's what we've found. So Kickstarter, Kickstarter has made that pilot program their official policy now. And employees like Brian Tyner, <laughs> well, Brian loves it. We asked him how he'd rate the four-day work week so far, and this is what he said. <laughs> Off the chart, uh, 11. Honestly, you know, mentally, it's really hard to think about a five-day work week again. And, okay, as we mentioned, luckily for Brian, it doesn't seem like the four-day work week is going to go anywhere uh, or go away, I should say, anytime soon at Kickstarter. I'm not paying people for the hours we're taking up in their lives. We're paying people for the impact they can have on the business. And if we're seeing that impact stay the same or go up, we shouldn't be paying them any less. Okay, so that was John Leland again, Chief Strategy Officer at Kickstarter. Uh, you know, Professor Shore, I keep thinking that, th as you mentioned earlier, this is something that's particularly uh, applicable or can be at least experimented with in white-collar work. And um, could it end, end up being sort of one of those perks or luxuries of white-collar work that people in other types of sectors or jobs simply will not be able to enjoy? Because I can't imagine how, I don't know, a manufacturing business or m many millions of employees in the service sector, uh, how can those businesses possibly change in order to offer a similar change in what a work week looks like for their employees? 
Yes. Well, these companies that you're seeing able to do it with not just maintaining productivity, but increasing productivity, you know, are sort of one end of the spectrum, companies that have a lot of slack. But And so we can go to the other end and think about places where it seems like it would be a lot harder. Factories, for sure, although we are seeing factories do it, because there are inefficiencies in factories, too, some more, some less. Let's go all the way to a frontline healthcare worker, mm-hmm. already too stressed out, work too intense. They're not going to meetings. They're just attending to patients, but they're burning out at a really rapid rate. They're leaving the field. Uh, there are some studies of healthcare workers that show that if you reduce working hours, and hire new staff for the additional hours. So you're not speeding them up. You're just, you know, giving them a shorter amount of time in which to do that intense work. You get better patient outcomes. You will save on health care costs for those workers whose burnout is costly. You will save on unemployment. And society will save a lot on the uh, not all of that training, that very expensive training that went into those doctors and nurses who are leaving the field. So that, and of course, there are the attrition costs mm. and the new hiring. In the UK study, uh, retention, there was a 57% drop in people leaving these uh, firms over the study period. So um, there, are, there are ways to make up those costs that actually you know, and you, you mentioned this before, it's not just about the, the productivity, it's also about the costs. Right. But I hear you saying that in, in, in healthcare that they essentially would still have to hire someone else. Yes. So the same amount of work, but it would require more people. Yes. Okay. Now, speaking of healthcare, this is a, there's another big difference. I mean, it, we're, in this country, um, health insurance <laughs> is very much tied to, you know, your employer, um, and so I'm wondering if that makes us uh, sort of less able to make major changes in what a work week looks like than, say, someplace in, in the U.K. where they have a version of national health, so perhaps it gives them more flexibility. Absolutely. I wrote a book in which this was one <laughs> of the main uh, uh, you know, points, which is that by locating health insurance in the firm, it has drastically skewed our labor market towards long hours, and we need to get health insurance out of out of the employment relation. Mm. Well, there's another aspect of what work looks like, and may, we'll continue to how it might change in the 21st century that I want to talk to both you and uh, Professor Bidwell about. Um, and we have a, a listener who called us with a question uh, along these lines, Chris Paulzak of Columbus Ohio. And here's what Chris said. I don't understand why with all of this great technology that we have these days, we are not moving to shorten the work week and increase leisure time for working people as our productivity continues to rise and all those gains just keep going to the top 1%. I thought the whole point of creating technology for the purposes of automation is to make the lives of everybody a little bit easier, right? So Professor Bidwell, how would you respond to that? Um, people want more stuff, um, is my response. I think as, as we've become more productive, the choice is, do we work less or do we earn more money? And I think in, in the U S and certain most countries, 
people seem to prefer to to earn more money. Oh, I, that that may be true, but uh, Professor Shore, did I remember that what was it like fifteen percent of the people in your study said there's no amount of money, additional money that they would take to go back to a five day work week? Absolutely, and in the U.S. in particular, workers haven't had the choice to work less. And I, I'm just not sure how Professor Bidwell can say that because we have a distorted market in hours in which employers don't give them that choice. Well, I want to... It's possible. I mean, so there was. A, I was looking up data on this. Uh, there don't seem to be recent surveys, but a Gallup survey in 2008 found that um, only 8% of workers wanted fewer hours and less income, and 37% wanted more hours and more income. So, I mean, when I look at those surveys, when I look at what happened in France and so on, I think there's a range. And I think one of the really interesting things about this work is it's not clear five days is right for everybody. But I'm not sure most people want to move to four days with mm. less pay. Mm. Well, I do wonder if part of uh, the reason for wanting to work more and earn more is because in the United States we still have so much of uh, you know so much burden on the individual worker in terms of having to save for retirement, the cost of education, healthcare, etc. Maybe we just need more money in our day to day lives. But Professor Matthew Bidwell at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. And Professor Juliet Shore at Boston College and one of the lead researchers on this study of a four-day workweek in the United Kingdom. Professor Shore, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Meghna. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. This is On Point.